Well, this morning, uh, we're going to continue in our study uh, of the two letters to Timothy from, I'm moving that up a little bit here, I'm hitting that monitor, um, uh, from Paul, and uh, we have entitled this series to these two letters, Be Strong in Grace, and this week, this is part 56, an honorable vessel, part 2, 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 26, and please, if you have a copy of God's Word, and I hope you do, encourage you to get that out, turn it to 2 Timothy chapter 2, as we look at verses 23 and 26, all right? But before we examine those verses this morning, let's review just a little bit um, to set our passage in its proper context. We always like to do this because we want to be in the right context. Uh, last week, I began, uh, 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 began by offending everybody who drank coffee. I don't know, Jay, if you listened to the message yet. Um, yes, Jay's thoroughly offended, okay? I know, and all the other coffee drinkers in the room I offended. I did so by letting you know that my favorite mug, which I brought again, I'm protecting it here, all right? I brought my favorite mug again, um, that this is reserved. It's an honorable vessel reserved for something much greater than dishonorable coffee, something called hot tea. My brother from the big island, Paul, can I get an amen? All right, but uh, hot tea, and, and therefore my mug is an honorable vessel and used for honorable things such as tea and nothing else except some milk to get cookies in. Right, that's what, but I was then informed that uh, someone had used my mug for some of that other stuff and became a dishonorable vessel, so we had to purge it, had to cleanse it. And that's what, you know, we're, we're laughing, but that's really, it's been a great illustration of what, uh, what Paul tells Timothy, I'll put this down here. Well, I don't know if that's safe now. I may have to get a new mug. But, I, I, you know, and I told everybody about this special mug, this honorable vessel. Because God, through Paul, tells us in verses 20 through 22, he encourages and exhorted us to be vessels that are, can, that are used to contain and carry the most honorable thing of all. The one true gospel. That's what he tells us. He uses this, this metaphor of vessels, the one true gospel of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. That's the only good news. There's no other gospel. And, 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 and he wants us to be vessels, honorable vessels, that take that message to the world. And I, I want to be an honorable vessel, and I believe you do too. And thankfully, uh, God, through, Timothy, through Paul, to Timothy, helps us see that. So as he examined those two verses, and, or, or three verses, uh, we, we, we were challenged by three exhortations to be an honorable vessel. We began by examining verse 20, where we discovered the first exhortation to be an honorable vessel, which was understand the metaphor of vessels. And we saw Paul use this metaphor to figure of speech. I was corrected. I didn't mean to say this, but I know I was corrected behind the scenes because I actually used a simile at one of, for one of them. Like a, a, a metaphor would be life is a highway. Um, your eyes are diamonds, not like diamonds, because like diamonds would be a, would be a simile, not a metaphor. So that's, that's what Paul's doing. He's, he, he's using a, a, a physical picture to create a spiritual truth much like Jesus did with parables. That's what he does here with, with vessels. There's different kinds of vessels, silver and gold and, and, and earthenware and, and wood, and they're used for different purposes. 
And then we looked at verse 21, and we saw the second exhortation to be an honorable vessel, which is envision, envision the promise of an honorable vessel. There's a promise here. If we're an honorable vessel, all right, if something takes place, then there'll be a, a, something that comes from that. So we saw that when those who cleanse themselves of the influence of false teachers and unrighteousness in general, this is the context, they cleanse themselves from those things, then they'll be promised that they'll be a vessel of honor sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And we looked at each one of those things last week. And then we examined verse 22, and we discovered a third exhortation to be an honorable vessel. Embrace the cleansing process to be an honorable vessel. And, and that cleansing process begins with fleeing youthful lust. And I know we, we talked about this last week. I know a lot of people, when you hear the word lust, some of your translations say desires, and probably in our context is a better um, uh, translation the word lust because usually when we think lust we're thinking sexual temptation and it's not that that's not a youthful lust but I don't think in context that's what Paul is exhorting Timothy to flee from he's encouraging him in context to flee from someone who's argumentative someone who's prideful and I don't know about you I mentioned this last week as a young man I knew everything I mean I just knew everything and I would let you know everything I knew and I shared an example when I just accosted this poor guy, was not nice to him, but he asked a simple question. I gave him every, every, all the information I had for, in 30 minutes on that topic, and then my young pastor, who's a little bit older than me, did the same thing for an hour. We just told him everything new about that, where it's an answer that could have been given in about five minutes. But he's saying, flee that kind of, that, that pride, that, that arrogance, that argumentativeness that Timothy, because he was young, he was 35 years old, uh, might have. And then we saw the cleansing process conti continues. It's not, just, it's not just fleeing things, but also pursuing other things. Pursuing, or I love this definition of pursuit, zealously following after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And, and, we're, and notice that last part, which I emphasized last week. We're to, we're to pursue these things with others, not alone, with others others who have had their heart made pure by the Lord and who have embraced this cleansing process to be an honorable vessel. The Christian walk is never meant to be alone. It's meant to be done in community. I'm so thankful for this community. It spurs me on and encourages me and holds me accountable. It encourages me to pursue this cleansing problem, process so that I can be an honorable vessel. What a blessing to be a part of a body that does that. We need each other. Uh, and that really takes me back to a question we asked earlier in chapter 2 for a couple of weeks. Who are you meeting with? Who are you intentionally meeting with to be sharpened by them with the word of God to be prepared to be an honorable vessel? Who are you meeting with? And what I loved about this is the response we got back for a few weeks. People started finding, hey, I need somebody to meet with. Who, who can I meet with? I want to meet with somebody. I want to be a part of this. And that, it's not, remember we talked about this, it's not this, hey, who are you meeting with? You better have an answer. No, it's, hey, who are you meeting with? I'd love to know. So I can be encouraged by that. And people responded, well, and if we're going to be part, do this with each other, guess what? We have to be with each other. I know that sounds silly, but we have to be with each other. Uh, so this, 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 is, this gets us back into context and reminds us our context that we do this with, and part of the cleansing process is being with each other. So here we have our context. With that review, we're going to jump into our passage for this morning, so I'd encourage you to stand with me. We're going to be reading together uh, 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 26. You'll see it up on the screen here. 
but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. And Lord, just as uh, Curtis sang, Lord, we pray you would use your word to make us more like Jesus, to help us walk in a way that is honorable vessels used for your good purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're going to pick up where we left off and add a little bit from last week. Uh, so I know the note takers like this, so we'll give it to you. I like it because I can hang my hat on a few key truths throughout the passage. So last week we covered understand the metaphor of vessels, envision the promise of honorable vessel, and then embrace the cleansing process to be an honorable vessel, which we're going to pick back up. There's a little bit left of that. And then we're going to go to live out the characteristics of an honorable vessel and anticipate the results that may come from being used as an honorable vessel. All right, so uh, we, we must remember, to, I, I put these as, as uh, ex, ex, exhortations, the truths in here as, as exhortations, you could say imperatives, encouragements, whatever you want to say, and, and, and I, sometimes I like to do that just to, to give us a sense of urgency, to, to put to practice what God has given us. Right? So as a result of the truth that we hear, Jay always likes to say, is, what does that make you want to do? Right? And this kind of helps us think through, well, what is it that we're supposed to do with these truths? Uh, so, but it is about doing. It is about putting them into practice. But let me say this again. We do this by the empowering grace of God, not in our flesh. Not just by being stronger. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live out the characteristics of honorable vessel and just in my own strength. Well, I'm, I've tried that before. It didn't go too well. I crashed and burned. And by God's grace, he picked me up and he let me try again to rely on his strength and on his grace to live out the characteristics of an honorable vessel. And I want to encourage you, just always remember, if you hear exhortations, we talked about this too in, in, in the New Testament, especially the two eyes. You have an indicatives and imperatives. Imperatives are a command. Indicative is a true statement. And an imperative is always based off an, a, a, a true statement, indicative. We do this because of this. And that's so important. And you'll see that through this passage as well. So, with that said, I encourage you to look there with me at verse 23 in our passage. Uh, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. And it's in these words we continue to discover that third exhortation we looked at last week to be an honorable vessel. Embrace the cleansing process to be an honorable vessel. As I mentioned earlier in our review, the cleansing process to be an honorable vessel starts with fleeing. Fleeing useful lust. And then pursuing. So we flee one thing and we pursue these other things, we saw that love and righteousness and faith. Now look at the word in verse 23, refuse, or some translations will say avoid, reject, have nothing to do with. It's, it's a, again, a present imperative. It's the third present imperative that Paul has given in order to walk through this cleansing process. The first was flee, pursue, and this is to refuse or reject, um, Paul gives a similar warning in 1 Timothy, which we've already covered, 4-7, but have nothing to do with worldly fables only fit for old women. Now, don't, let's don't get off on that again. We've already covered that. Go back and listen to that message. It was not an insult. Please believe me. All right. Um, and then also Paul writing to Titus, uh, he writes this, reject 
a factious man after a first and second warning. So this idea of refusing, rejecting, have nothing to do with, is something that Paul says a lot to his young protégés, Timothy and Titus. And And God is saying that to us. And what is it Paul tells Timothy and us to reject or avoid? Well, look back there with me at our passage. Well, um, we'll go back this way. There we go. Uh, what does he say? He says, foolish and ignorant speculations. Some translations even say stupid. Uh, that's pretty strong, isn't it? Well, it's really what it means, <laughs> foolish, ignorant. Uh, the, the word ignorant is not that you don't have the ability to know, you don't know. Uh, it's where, where we get the word agnostic. Ignorant is not to know. It's uneducated, uninformed, uninstructed. And these, this word speculations, it's emphasizing its lack of content. Okay? So he calls them foolish and ignorant speculations. It, it, it doesn't have a lot of content to it. And maybe you've met some people like that. They have a lot to say but aren't saying much at all, if you know what I mean. When it comes to preachers, I heard this a long time ago, and I, and I know some preachers like that, uh, like this. Um, there, there's, there's, there's some pe- preachers who are all heat. Man, they're just going, and they're so excited, and they're flipping tables, and blah, 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 but they have nothing to say. They're just excited. And there's some people who are light. This came from the Puritans, and they're like this. God loves you immensely. Now, you really believe them, don't you? All right, that's light, right? But you want pe- preachers who are heat and light. They're passionate. He's saying something. And he's talking about the false teachers here who are passionately saying nothing. They're speculations. There's no content to what they have to say. And Paul, Paul defined these speculations. I love this. Paul defines what these speculations are in 1 Timothy 1.7. Wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. They don't even, they're saying a bunch of stuff but don't even understand what they're saying. But they're confidently saying it. Right? That, that, that's this idea of speculation. And why does Paul tell Timothy and us to refuse, reject, have nothing to do with foolish and in, uh, ignorant speculations? Well, we, we see this uh, again in 23. I don't know what my... Uh, look, no, it says, knowing they produce quarrels. And the idea here of what quarrels are um, is explained again. I love this. But Paul keeps explaining what things are in 2 Timothy 2.14. Look, it says, remind them of these things. And solemnly charged in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of hearers. Getting into quarrels, or what I call word wars. Oh, yeah, well, uh, I know this word means... And I know this word means, and then you just keep going back and forth, and you're bringing out the Webster Dictionary, and you're just not getting anywhere, right? These word wars, this, these quarrels with false teachers is not productive. We learned that earlier here in the same chapter. It's useless, and it's destructive for everyone else who's listening. It doesn't help anyone getting in these quarrels and, and, and word wars, these arguments. Quarreling is exactly what the false teachers and those who reject the gospel want us to do. Now listen, this is, this, is a, this is a tact of the enemy. They want us to quarrel. They want us to get into word wars and get into arguments. That's exactly what them and the enemy who's using them wants us to do. Now, there's, there's another way to handle this. They're, they're, they're trying to take our time up. They're trying to take our time up, all right, keep us from going to share the one true gospel. I had a couple of ladies approach me as I was reading my Bible up on the porch a few weeks ago. Jehovah's Witnesses. I always wonder where the dudes are. 
He was sitting in the car. You got the two ladies. And every time it seems that Jehovah's Witnesses come to my house, wherever I live, it's two ladies. And the dude's sitting in the car smoking or something. I don't know what he's doing, you know. He's just sitting there. So the ladies come up, and they're going to give their whole thing. And I knew the whole spirit. I've heard it before. And so when I, I told Jay I did this. So I just engaged him with conversation. We talked about lots of things and lots of things. And I, every once in a while, I glanced at my watch and said, okay, I've got him for 30 minutes. And I just kept going and trying to keep him as long as I could so that they couldn't go and spread that false gospel, which is really no good news at all, to someone else. Now, the enemy wants us to quarrel. I was, I was very nice. We had a pleasant conversation, those kind of things. They knew where I stood. I knew where they stood. But it was a very pleasant conversation at the end of it, which we'll see here in a second. But the enemy wants us to, to waste our time with arguing, getting us all heated up. And guess what? When we do that, people are watching us. If you've ever met somebody around you, someone who just wants to argue or quarrel, you ever been around somebody like that? Uh, they, they just want to argue about anything, and their reasoning is so poor, or their subject of the, of the argument is so ridiculous, you realize they don't care if they win. They just want you to argue. You ever been there? Like family reunions, family board games, um, those kind of things. Okay, maybe not. Um, but if, you fall on, if, if so, you fall on, we've fallen right into their trap. And most of us likely have lost our cool or blown our witness as followers of Jesus in the midst of those quarrels. That's what they want us to do. That's what anyone wants to do. They want us to quarrel and argue and getting all heated up, and people are watching this. And we're followers of Jesus, and they're watching how we're responding. It's exactly what they want us to do. So why does Paul, through the uh, Lord through, the Paul, through Paul, instruct us to refuse foolish and ignorant speculations knowing they produce quarrels? Well, because he wants us to be honorable vessels that can carry his gospel to others. That's why he wants us to refuse or reject it, have nothing to do with that. Getting into quarrels with those who oppose the truth hinders our ability to be honorable vessels who can effectively take the gospel to others. So by, by God's empowering grace, may we embrace the cleansing process to be an honorable vessel. Here's three key words, flee, pursue, refuse. Flee, refuse, pursue, and refuse. Now look with me at verse 24 and the first half of verse 25. Uh, look what it says. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. It's in these words we discover the fourth exhortation to be honorable vessel. Live out the characteristics of an honorable vessel. Well, what are the characteristics of an honorable vessel? Um, as the one that can take the true gospel to the world. What actions or attitudes need to be true about us? Carriers, vessels, right? It's like the ladies were in vessels yesterday, right? The canoes, those in, 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 in kayaks, they're vessels, and they're carrying the ladies down the, the river. Um, some of them, I understood, kind of tipped over a few times, just like the guys did, all right? But carrying our precious ladies down there. But we're vessels carrying the precious, beautiful, powerful, good news. So, so what are characteristics and attitudes that should be true of us? Well, Paul lays those out in verses 24 and the first half of 25. He does this with one negative characteristic to avoid and four positive characteristics to put into action. I, I love this. This Paul keeps it simple. Look, look at me at that phrase, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. Some of the translation says the Lord's servant. All right, so don't let that throw you off. The Lord must not be quarrelsome. This is the, 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 the one negative characteristic to avoid. Uh, this would remind Timothy, think, think about this earlier in 1 Timothy, 
we, we studied the, the qualifications of an elder. And one of those is someone who's not quarrelsome. Some translations say not quarrelsome. Right? He reminded him of that. Also, it would remind him it's in contrast to the false teachers who seem to pride themselves in quarreling. So his first characteristic he, he, he throws out here, he says, don't, don't get into quarrels. A Lord's bondservant, the, the Lord's honorable vessel must not be quarrelsome. And if we find ourselves quarreling with those who oppose the truth, then we need to go back to the cleansing process to be an honorable vessel. We need to flee from youthful, youthful lust. We need to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And we refuse foolish and ignorant speculations. Wash, rinse, repeat. Right? Wash, rinse, repeat. We just go back. If we find ourselves in that, and we, we all probably all have, we, we've got this quarrel, quarrelsome attitude, and we're just going to prove them wrong. And we get red-faced, and we pull up our socks, and we're ready to go. Right? And, and we, we can get that way. And if we find ourselves in that, we need to go back to God's cleansing process to make us an honorable vessel over and over again. And I find myself doing this over and over again. It's not a one-time thing. Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, I need to go back to God's cleansing process. I need to wash, rinse, and repeat. In fact, this is something that, that, that you're going to find yourself as you begin to share the gospel and are out there intentionally sharing the gospel, you're going to need to do. Because you're going to run into people who are going to argue with you. Well, after laying out this negative characteristic to avoid, Paul now lays out four positive characteristics for us to put into action. Uh, we, we see this first in, the, in verse 24 with the word, be kind. Some of your translations say gentle. Um, be kind. Be kind. It's a characteristic of those who are honorable vessels. After all, this was the main characteristic of Jesus who said this of himself. Look what he says in Matthew eleven twenty nine: Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, this doesn't mean you're not bold. Be real careful here. We all know Jesus was bold, but he was also kind. He, he was gentle. I, I'll say this and I'll say it later. He wasn't a jerk. He wasn't a jerk. It wasn't Jesus. And yet sometimes as Christ followers, we can be jerks. He's saying, don't be a jerk. Be, be kind and, and, and gentle. Being harsh and unkind and abusive and sarcastic. Let me say that one again. Sarcastic. There's different kinds of sarcasm. Sometimes we can use sarcasm to cut deeply with someone. And we, oh, we're just kidding around. I'm just kidding. No, you weren't. You used something funny to tear me down. And even when we're talking to opponents, those who oppose the truth, we shouldn't use sarcasm to mask behind sarcasm. I made a bunch of people happy right there. Here we go. We should never, ever, that should never be part of how we interact with others, being unkind and harsh and abusive. Notice, again, who it is. Look there with me. We are to be kind or gentle to. Be kind to, what does it say? Oops, let me go back here, sorry. Be kind to... Be kind to, I still can't hear you, be kind to all. This all includes the faithful people in the church and the opponents or the false teachers. There's an and, and the opponents. Not just the people you like, 
Not just people who are followers of Jesus, but those who maybe not be, or those who are being deceived, those who are opponents and teaching something falsely. And, and notice the next characteristics then of an honorable vessel to be put in action. It says, able to teach. Look at that. Able to teach. Skillfully communicating the truth. So it's able to teach. Skillfully communicating the truth. Now, we could say that this is just directed to Timothy or just the elders because it's one of the, the, the requirements of someone who to be an elder slash pastor. It's the same word if you're new here. Um, uh, able to teach. But we also know we're all called to teach, aren't we? We could easily say, well, this is Timothy. This is for the elders. No, we're all called to teach. God's truth in some way, in some setting. We may not have the gift of teaching, but we're all called as followers of Jesus to teach the truth about the gospel. Becoming a more skillful communicator of the greatest truth in the world, the gospel, is something we should all strive for, right? To be more effective, being clear. One of the things I, I, I pray for, and I may not, for some of you, may not, this may, I'm, you're saying God is not answering his prayer, is to be clear. I, I want to be clear. I don't want to be confusing. I want to be precise. I want, I want to keep growing that as a, a communicator of God's word, not just here, but as I speak to people one-on-one -on -one and in small groups. Uh, that's what I want to be, and we should all want to have that desire to, to, to be able to teach. And you know how this happens? By spending more time reading and studying and memorizing and meditating and sharing God's word. We've talked about that for a while, so I'm going to ask another question we've asked around here for a while. What's your plan? What's your plan to be reading and studying and memorizing and meditating and sharing God's word more? Because if you don't have a plan, that'll never happen. Right? You fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's just, it's just what it is. But we want to be effective. And Paul's t telling Timothy and others, hey, you need to be able to teach. That's, what, that's a characteristic of someone who's an honorable vessel. Now notice the third characteristic in our passage here of, of an honorable vessel that's to be put into action. Patient when wronged. Now, you weren't wronged right there, but I made you be patient. <laughs> and we don't like to be patient. And we sure don't like to be patient when we're wronged. What do we like to do? We want to jump to it. We want to react and not respond, and there's a difference. Reacting is not being patient. Responding is when we're wronged. And once again, Jesus is our example of this. What it says in 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges rightly. And we would do well to follow in the steps of our Savior with this who entrusted himself during people who wronged him, entrusted himself to one who judges rightly. Anyone besides me find this hard to do, to be patient when you're wronged? Yeah, I find this hard to do, and I'm not always patient when I'm wronged. The good news is that Jesus is not only our example for us to be patient when wronged by an opponent of the gospel or by anyone else, but he's also the power and resource to be patient. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, help me, patience. Patience. And as we are controlled by the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit comes out of us, it empowers us to be patient. So yes, the standard 
The example is Jesus, but he's also the power and desire to be patient when we are wronged. I'm so thankful for that. Now notice the fourth characteristic of an honorable vessel to be put in action in our passage. Look at verse 25. With gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. Gentleness. This is a different word than some of your translations have gentle earlier. It's, it's this idea of meekness. It's strength under control. It means you have the ability to be strong. Right? Meekness is not weakness. Right? It's, it's having the ability to be strong and withholding the strength. That's meekness. This is this idea of gentleness, which is also a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Gentleness. So yes, we're, we're called. This is a characteristic of those who are honorable vessels. As we engage with people who may be opponents, there should be a meekness. We withhold the strength. When they, when they, when they, when they say something that's, as we saw, something stupid, that we don't just jump on, oh yeah, that was stupid, and we, we let them have it. We, we, we let them have it, but we do it with meekness, with gentleness. Ephesians 4, 15 says this, speaking the truth in love. Now, I, I want to be clear on all this, because you're saying, man, this kind of God kind of kind of weak and gentle and kind and patient and all that kind of stuff. This isn't weakness. This is actually strength. And speaking the truth in love, we're still speaking the truth. We're not backing down. There's just an attitude and a way that we go about it. A few weeks ago, and a few of you may have seen this, a few weeks ago, a, a man showed up um, at our church stated, with stated intentions. He wanted to tell the pastor, of course he didn't understand we're not just have the pastor, we have a bunch of pastors, um, but the pastor, and you weren't here, Jay, so I was the pastor that day he was going to come after, of the errors we were teaching and believing here at the church, and he first approached Aaron, my buddy down here, and Aaron had a great conversation, and I know Aaron treated him with gentleness and kindness and listened to him and those kind of things. And then Aaron told me because he was concerned. He didn't know when he was going to do it or anything like that. So Aaron came and told me, and um, thanks, Aaron, for doing that because it really made us be able to handle the situation right. And he sat right back in this back row, and I also let our security team know that this guy, because sometimes you don't know how they're going <laughs> to let you know how wrong you are, right? So I let our security team know, and, uh, and, and, and I watched him. I saw him back there, and I began to pray for him. I don't know why, he, I didn't know what he was going to come, what he was going to say. So afterward, I come down here, and he waited a little bit, and then he came up to me. He let me know that, you know, the whole New Testament was false, and everything taught in the New Testament was a conspiracy. And, and then it seemed like he really didn't believe the Old Testament, too, because asking some questions about that, it was just really bizarre. But he, he, he came and, and, uh, um, and, and just, he, he was letting me know what he thought, you know. And we had this conversation, and, and, and when he was doing this, I'll be honest, I really wanted to let him have it. I mean, he was just saying some stuff way off, wasn't he, Aaron? Way off. And, and I didn't want anybody else to hear it because it's so off. And I wanted to take him out. This, you're, he, he, he's one of our elders. He shouldn't say that. I, I said I wanted to. All right? I'm real, okay? I'll run into, I'm just, this guy's just way off, false, false, false. But, but I didn't do that. I didn't take him out. There's no blood on the carpet over there or anything like that, all right? So... Yet, I, sorry, sweetie. <laughs> and, and, and yet, I didn't. And yet, I, I've, I, I failed to, to, in situations like that before, especially when I was younger. I, I've, ne I've never been a violent person. I've never gotten a fight in my life. 
I did in third grade, I got beat up by two girls, I think. But I've never been in a fight. I played a game of football. That's where my violence came out, I guess. But I've never been in a fight, ever. Never gotten a fist fight or anything like that at all. It's never been me, and it's still not me. But I have been. Oh, yeah? Well, listen to this. I've been there before. You think that? Well, how about this? Look at that. That's, that's really, it's real becoming, isn't it? It's awful. And I've been there, and, and, and especially when I was younger. And, and, and I, I'm sure I can go there again. I'm not immune from that. But by the Spirit of God in me, I was, I was, I, somehow I was patient. And I was kind with this man. And I listened to him. Didn't agree with him. I, I, I said what I needed to say. I, I refuted some of the things he was saying, but I did it in a manner that wasn't intimidating. I didn't go after him. I didn't raise my voice. I didn't get mean with him. Um, that was the spirit of God that, to give me patience and kindness and gentleness. I know that. You see, the gospel message itself is offensive. We don't need to be offensive too. You say, well, the gospel message is offensive? Well, yeah, you first have to admit that you're sin- sinful. And because you're sin. You're separated from a holy God, and a holy God must punish sin. You must admit you're at odds with the God of the universe, and he will punish your sin. That, that's not, oh, well, that sounds good news. But that sets up the good news, doesn't it? That's part of hearing the gospel. It's, that's offensive. But we don't have to be offensive in the midst of it. We can say all those things in, in, in the right tone, with the right heart, because we care about somebody, right, and not be offensive too. And I think this is what Paul's getting at with Timothy. I mean, Timothy, don't, and anybody else, don't, don't, don't get down to their level. Be gentle. Be kind to all. And, and, and we'll see the reason why as we continue here in our passage. Look with me at the second half of verse 25 and 26. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. It's in these words we discover the fifth exhortation to be an honorable vessel. Anticipate the results that may come from being used as an honorable vessel. Anticipate the results that may come from being used as an honorable vessel. When we embrace the cleansing process to be an honorable vessel and live out the characteristics of an honorable vessel, we can anticipate the results that may come from that. Isn't that good? When we, when we embrace the cleansing process, when we live out the characteristics, something's going to happen or may happen because of that. Remember, we as honorable vessels are carrying the most precious, beautiful, life-changing message in the world, the gospel of God's grace towards sinners. He wants, us to use, he wants to use us to bring his gospel to those who need to be rescued from the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin. He wants to use us as honorable vessels for that purpose. And he will in many cases. We must remember what the Lord writes through Paul to the church of Rome. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why does he say that? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also the Greek. The gospel is the power of God for salvation, not you and me. And sometimes when I was younger, and, and again, I, I'm not immune from this now, I was younger, I thought God needed me to kind of raise my voice a little bit more. 
as I talked to them about they were a sinner. And get, maybe even grip my teeth a little bit. They'd really understand they were a sinner. A little bit, maybe a little growl even, right? And just maybe God needed me to do that because he needed me to help him out a little bit, right? He doesn't need my help at all. I can talk just like this, look somebody in the eye, hopefully with a tear in my eye, say, hey, our biggest problem is we're at odds with the holy God. Our sin separates us from us. I can say that like that. And the truth is there. The power is in the gospel, not in me. The power is in the gospel, not in you. And not our ability to raise our voice or get stronger or have any of that. And I think that's here what Paul's trying to get across to Timothy. Hey, it's, it's not about that. Our kindness or our unkindness or sarcasm or abusive language will not be what God uses to beat them down. It will not be. The gospel is the power. But if we're a jerk, then we're going to hinder the message of the gospel. That's a jerk. Unkind, abusive language, sarcasm, whatever else it is there. It's a jerk. And our jerk will hinder our ability to be used to take the gospel to people. Believe me, God won't be hindered. We may be hindered to be a part of that amazing thing that we get to be a part of, to be a vessel, to take it. Notice in, in verse 25 here the result uh, that, that may come, the first result that may come from being used in an honorable vessel. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. This, this is the first result or consequence of Timothy and our behavior in the midst of argumentative opponents. How do we behave? How do we, what comes out of us? Notice that word perhaps. It's a possibility, not a certainty. That every time that we share the gospel, we do it with the right tone, the right heart, the right characteristics. It's a possibility, not a certainty. I mean, it's so important because if we think it's a po- certainty, we're going to make it a certainty. And then we're going to re- 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 maybe not be mean, but then we're going to do all these cra- other kind of crazy tricks. Now, bow your head with me. Now, as I squeeze your hand harder, say this prayer after me. I, I can actually, I mean, there's actually a, 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 a witnessing tool that I, I, should, I don't have time to bring out or show like that, but there's a witnessing tool. It's a tract, how to win people to Christ. And it's actually squeeze their shoulder a little stronger. I mean, there's these kind of things. It's crazy. But we can go, if we think it's a, it's a certainty that God has to use what we say and has to use our presentation of the gospel to bring some to faith in Christ, right then there, we'll do stuff like that too. But it's a possibility, not a certainty. Repentance. This word means a change of mind change of attitude, change of behavior. Walking this, it's going this way and it's a 180 repentance. Repentance of what, what we, who we think about God, repentance of our actions toward God, our attitude toward God, repentance. And Luke says, it says, grant that God may grant them repentance. The ability to repent is a gift of God. The re- ability to repent is a gift of God. I know this because I don't like to repent. I've never liked to repent. I don't want to repent. I didn't want to repent in the first place. I needed somebody to give me the gift of repentance so I could repent, so I could have a change of mind about who God was, have a change of mind and direction in my life and who I was trusting in. All right? And, and you're like, well, man, that's pretty bold to say that. Well, first of all, it says God right here. God may grant them repentance, so that means it's a gift of God. So how about a couple other passages that say this? He is the one whom God exalted, this is Acts 531, to his right hand as prince and savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. God must grant repentance, Acts eleven eighteen. 
When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, when then, Well then, God has granted the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. God has granted repentance. It's a gift from God, repentance. I don't have a time to go into this, and so is faith. Repentance and faith, two sides of the same corn, are a gift from God. And we exercise them. Our will is fully involved all right, in using repentance and faith, but they're a gift from God, and that way we don't get any of the glory. We don't get any of the credit when we repent and believe. And any, the first time, the second time, and I'm going to say the second time, we're repenting and believing all the time as believers, all right, as followers of Jesus. It's clear throughout God's word that repentance and faith are gifts from God. They are his sovereign work. We are called to do this. Be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, and then we trust God to do his work. That's what we're called to do. We do that. We do that. Only he can lead them to the knowledge of the truth and forgiveness in life. Now remember we learned in 1 Timothy 1 that God desires all kinds of people, rich, poor, kings, um, all that, to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of the truth. That's his desire. We, we should believe that. That he would grant people repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. And he's going to. Isn't that good news? He's going to. Well, let's trust him to do his work. Now look with me at the, the second uh, result that may come from being used as an honorable vessel. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having, uh, having been held captive by him to do his will. This is the second result or consequence of, of Timothy and our behavior in the midst of argumentative opponents. All right, the other consequence here is they come to their senses. It means to be sober, to sober them up, that they'll come to their sense, senses. In Luke 15, this phrase is used when you have the prodigal son. Luke 15 is God's lost and found apartment, right? Um, you, have a, you have a bunch of lost things and lost sheep, lost coin, and a lost son, all right? And this, the, the, the prodigal son runs off, and he does all the crazy stuff that prodigal sons do. And then it says, and he came to his senses. He sobered up. He saw things differently. Oh, wow. We know that unbelievers um, are held captive by Satan in this sense. They need to come to their senses. We, we know this. Um, and they're, they're blinded in a sense. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So we know that. They're, they're held captive. But how about believers? Can believers be held captive by Satan and be used for his will? Don't answer. Don't answer because I'll let God through Timothy answer. We saw this in 1 Timothy 3, 7. And he must have a good, just talking about elders, have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Yeah, we can be, as a believer, you can be part of the snare of the devil. He can use you to do his will if we're unclean vessels and we can become unclean vessels. This is why we got to be on top of this cleansing process all the time so that we don't become unclean and be used by the devil to do his will. And so believers and unbelievers can be used to do that. They can be held captive by the devil in different ways. But God can and will enable both believers and non-believers to come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. And in the mystery of his sovereign work, he uses us as honorable vessels 
as we are kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, to carry his gospel to people, believers and unbelievers, so they can come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. He, he uses us. Isn't that amazing that he uses us? I, I, you know what? I want to be a part of that. I want to be one of those cleansed vessels, those honorable vessels that God uses to live out those characteristics and him use that. Whether it's with a believer who's been deceived and, and, and begins to believe false things or teach false things, I don't want to be the jerk that says, you know, you're believing the wrong thing and just get him happy. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm concerned about you. And, and, and here's what God's word says. And, and maybe it's an unbeliever who doesn't know. And they're just opposed to the gospel all around. They don't know what the gospel And, and I, don't, I don't want to be the guy who's a jerk. I want to be the guy who's kind and able to teach and patient when I'm wronged, even if they're mean, mean to me. Because it says that God can use that and God will use that to bring them to the knowledge of the truth and escape being used by the devil. Uh, don't raise your hand. Right? Don't, don't raise your hand. Who wants to join me? Who wants to join me in that? It's awesome. I've seen it happen. It's the most amazing thing in the world when that happens. I hope you want to join me. I, I think you do. Well, remember that when we embrace the cleansing process to be an honorable vessel and live out the characteristics of an honorable vessel, we can anticipate the results that may come from being used as an honorable vessel. Well, here's a question. So what? So what? We, we walked through that passage. I think we understand it now. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Uh, so what? What difference does it make? Let me ask you another question. Are you more concerned in winning the argument than winning the person? You ever been there? Are you more concerned of winning the argument than winning the person? Just as lovingly as I can say to myself and to you, don't be that guy. Don't be that girl that's more concerned about winning the argument. The red face, the angry, the harshness, the sarcasm, by God's grace, let's be the opposite and watch what he does. I want us all to be that guy or girl uh, um, that is kind and gentle and patient. You know what? I want that guy who came a few weeks ago, I want him to come back. I want him to come back. I want him to come back, and I want God to use his word to change his life. And I'm praying he'll come back. But what I do know by God's grace, he won't be able to say about Aaron or me, that guy was mean. That guy was harsh. He was angry. By God's grace. And my, my prayer is by God's grace that no unbeliever or believer that's believing false things will be able to say that about any of us. So, you know, they, they were at least treated me with respect. And they were kind and gentle. And remember, we do all this by the empowering grace of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your amazing grace, for the good news that you, the holy God, Although you're loving, you're just, and must punish our sin, and will punish our sin. You loved us so much, you sent your son to die in our place. And you punished your son in our place. That we might be forgiven. We may right with you. And then if we can respond by embracing that. 
by trusting in what Jesus did for us. What good news that is. Would help us be honorable vessels used to take that good news to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And I'll say this, if you're here this morning and you've never embraced that good news of what Jesus did for you, I'd pray today would be the day that you turn from trusting yourself and you trust in what Jesus did for you. Would you stand with me? And as you stand, I'll remind you we'll have couples up front. If you need to pray, you have questions, you have questions about, hey, I, I, I want to I embrace what God did for me in Christ. Questions about that, pray. Any concerns, uh, please uh, utilize that great resource we have for you. Well, today I'm going to... Um, It's off. So I'm going to read this over you, Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now the God of peace who brought you up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You're dismissed.